All right, we're back with another episode. And this time I'm sitting down with Anna Greta Maziota, the founder and president of North Star Coaching, where she coaches a variety of executives and emerging leaders around the globe. She also is a senior faculty member of the Coactive Training Institute, where she's been teaching the coaching curriculum there for over 23 years. That's right, 23 years of training coaches. I was thrilled to have this conversation with her, and I hope you're also blown away by the depth of wisdom and love that she shares. We cover a lot of ground. We talk about coaching as skilled communication, articulating things that people don't have language for, tenderness as the road to intimacy, championing, not fixing people, surviving her worst nightmare, having compassion for ourselves and inviting out parts of us that we're otherwise too ashamed of, the value of not knowing, being present with intense emotions, monitoring the connection in real time between you and your client, and how a word of encouragement at the right time can make all the difference. About nine minutes in, my puppy dog Mochi comes running out of the house and jumps right on my face. And so there's a moment where I need to pause and go and put her back in the house. But that event actually leads to an interesting conversation right after. So I've left it in for you to enjoy. Anna Greta is a really special person, and I hope that you get as much out of this conversation as I did. Let's do it. Great. Anna Greta, it's awesome to be here with you. Thank you. Light for me, as you know. <laughs> um, so I've, I mean, I totally admire you. Um, and I'm wondering, you know, for you, how do you describe to people what it is that you do? Well, I, you know, a lot of people know what coaching is at this point. So I don't know that I've had to describe it too much recently. Used to be in the, in the old days when I started, I used to have to, I used to have to differentiate it from like sports coaching, you know, cause I, yeah. I, I coach and then they'd say, well, what do you coach soccer? And uh, so now it's really coaching is a much more known entity. So, um, but I think for those people who've never encountered coaching, the way um, usually what happens is I'm actually doing some kind of coaching or seeing people. And so they actually have an experience of it before they even ask me what I'm, you know, they're like, who are you? What do you do? You know? And I'm like, well, it's this, you know? So, um, so if I were to say now, I would say something like I help people get clarity about what they want and I support and empower them to move toward it. Very, I've gotten really simple with it, you know, cause it's also kind of a statement where if people are really interested, they'll p- pursue that. And for many people, they'll hear that and they'll be like, okay, I don't, I don't want to know anything more. <laughs> That's enough. I've heard enough. Yeah, yeah. Some people are really into that and other people are like, great, okay, moving on. <laughs> yeah. So then what, you know, when people come and find you, I guess, what do you typically hear in terms of what they are looking for after they hear what you can do or how you work? Um, you know, um, because I've met many of my clients through my teaching. And so, you know, a lot of people come up and they, they want something that I have actually. 
and they want to a lot of times in the in the classroom we have you know we i mean me and my co-leader um we've created an environment and a kind of communication that is more people experience as more real and it's mind-blowing i mean i remember when i encountered it with um cti the organization i uh, have, have worked for for the last 23 years. Um, it's a level of communication and authenticity and realness that I think we're craving. And so people, they come up and they want more of that. And they don't, they, you know, they want to be, they want to be taught. How do you, how do you do that? Um, and then there might be some things that they want in their lives um, but it's something about the the authenticity and the connection and the realness that I think people are drawn to. Mm. Yeah. Real communication. Yeah. Like I remember before I um, discovered coaching, and I think coaching is a lot about um, skillful communication. And um, before I had um a lot of these tools these coaching tools i was afraid to say anything that seemed negative to people um for fear of losing the relationship and so what would happen is i would stuff a lot of things until i was really fed up and then it would just explode and it was like you know a mess and um since I've learned, you know, since I've been steeped in this, I've since learned how to communicate in a way that is loving to people and, and to make requests, for example, you know, um, it's really helpful to just say, Hey, you know, would you, um, you know, put that dish in the dishwasher, uh, at the end of the meal? And just make it a request as opposed to go like, why the heck do you never put that dish in the dishwasher? It drives me crazy. You know, like, so <laughs> that's, that's you know, it's skillful versus non-skillful. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Did I answer that question? It feels like I. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, this part about saying something that may potentially jeopardize the relationship. Yeah. And I think the word you used was to say it in a loving way. Yeah. Can you talk a bit more about, because that, that seems like a, a huge thing where in a friendship or in a relationship, there, there is a lot of care taken to preserve the relationship. Right. So how does one find the tools or, or become more comfortable with being willing to say what's hard to hear um, for, I guess, the, the higher good of, of, of the person? Well, um, I don't know. I'm I kind of I'm going off on a little tangent, but it is related, as most of my tangents are. But I'm thinking about yesterday. I had a conversation with a good friend of mine, and I was feeling kind of tender. And I said I explained a little bit about what was bothering me, and he um, he kind of made a joke about it, and. And what got communicated to me underneath was sort of like, he's not that interested. That's how I interpreted it. And so I stopped and we talked about something in his life. And afterwards I realized that 
that kind of that I felt hurt. Sometimes we don't recognize it in the moment. We are in very we have patterns in us that are very automatic, um, but we might feel off afterwards. And so when that happens for me, I kind of look in and say, like, what happened there? So I noticed I felt hurt, and I and I realized, like, oh, he might not know that. He might not know that, and I um, for That's this your hurt. Yeah, like that that comment or those comments when he does that, that actually hurts me. And I interpret it as stop talking about this. Mm. So first of all, I need to check that out. You know, like, does he know that that actually hurt me? I doubt it because I know he loves me. Um, And so for the sake of intimacy, which I'm really passionate about and which, you know, you cultivate in coaching. um. I want to go back and say, you know, when you do that thing, when you make jokes, actually that I feel shut down by that. And that kind of hurts me. And I, I figure you really don't want that impact. So I'm telling him something about myself that maybe he doesn't know. And I'm taking a risk too, by telling him, right. Mm. Um, Cause maybe the fear is, even though I know this wouldn't happen, but the fear is maybe he'll go, are you kidding? You know, you big baby. Like, you know, nobody would do that. Who loves you? He's not going to say that. But I have a little fear of him saying like, really? Come on, get over yourself, you know? But um, so it's like bringing forth your tenderness, uh, I think is, you know, that's kind of the road to intimacy and being able to do that in a way that doesn't, where I'm not judging myself for having that feeling. Like I'm not saying to myself, like, get over yourself. That's ridiculous. Can't you tell like a joke, you know? So I'm not doing that to myself and I'm not attacking this guy. I'm not attacking him saying, you know, you're, he's a jerk. I'm never going to talk to him again. So how do we, um, if we remove judgment from either ourselves or somebody else and we keep, we keep coming back to the relationship and communicating how it is for us and what we want from the other or what the impact was, that's a really rich territory. I mean, you can, you can really, you can stay engaged then. Okay. Sorry. We have a little distraction right here. Mochi came out. I'd love to introduce you. This is Mochi. Hi, Mochi. She's up from her nap. Uh. (laughs) Mochi. Oh, baby. Thank you. Hi. Hi. I missed you too. I missed you too. I missed you too. Oh, my God, she's gotten big. She's so big. You're big, aren't you? She's getting bigger. Big. Okay. Hi, okay. Mochi. Hi, Mochi. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right. So what's she going to do? Is she going to stay out here? I'm probably going to have to put her back to be really present with you. <laughs> what do you want to do, honey? I'm, uh, I'm going to put her back because she's going to run around and make a bunch of noise. And I love her, but this is okay. a thing. So uh, hold on one second. I will. Back. I'm just like noticing all these emotions that are coming up, you know? Just this, like, yeah, a little bit of frustration, a little bit of like, I told you that it was it was time where I just needed some space. And, you know, she forgot, and that's fine. And I was like, it's cool. Like, 
there's there's some forgiveness too and like it's it's not a big deal you know just all, all this happens in like a span of like three seconds you know that's so right. just notice and like okay okay let it go that's right well that's kind of in keeping with just exactly what i was talking about so something happened right all these emotions come up and you know either maybe you'll just let it go and it's not going to be that big of a deal or maybe <clears throat> it's something that's part of a bigger issue between the two of you. Mm -hmm. And so in coaching, for example, you get clarity about what is it that's just been stepped on? What's the value that's been stepped on, for example? Or what is it that you um, need to communicate or create around, you know, your communication with your partner? So, it's, that stuff happens to us all the time, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think that has been and continues to be one of the big pieces of adopting this puppy is it's really having us talk about and, and, and surface what our needs are and how we can design, redesign our relationship and our partnership, you know, to sort of make sure that we're taking care of each other. Mm -hmm. So there, there, there's more stuff coming up that's actually deepening our marriage from from this. Mm. Um, you know, I'm, she's definitely a teacher. You know, Mochi is a is a guide in her own way. So there's a lot that is that's coming. You were wise to get her. <laughs> yeah. You were. I believe. I kind of believe that we have. Um, you know, our desires are kind of our 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 guide in life so you had this desire to get mm. a puppy and it's it's bringing up material for you to work with yeah yeah very true very true um so i'd love to ask you a bit about your history and how you got into coaching well i used to be a guidance counselor years mm. ago um, and I left that job, um, and I was, I was thinking I was going to start a counseling practice. I have a master's in counseling psychology <clears throat> and, um, yeah, I wasn't quite, I wasn't quite sure. And as I was thinking about it, I got this issue of the new age journal, which I didn't even have a subscription to, but it came in the mail. And in that journal was a picture of Cheryl Richardson. I'll never forget. She was in a lovely red dress with no shoes on, living the free life of a coach. And it was, <laughs> um, she, you know, it was this new profession of coaching. This was back in um, 1997. I got that in the fall of 1997. And um, I read, the description of coaching and um, I thought that is for me I just felt that so clearly and um, at the time there were only three schools that um, taught coaching and they listed them at the end of the article and I basically checked out all three uh, and CTI was the only one that did in-person coaching at that time in person this is training. the co-active training institute that's right yeah and um, 
So I waited until they had a course offering in Boston, and I lived in New Jersey at the time, and um, my husband drove me up. It was a big deal. And, uh, you know, I took the first course, and I just kind of, I fell in love with the whole the whole thing. I mean, I just, I was one of those early converters. I just signed up for everything. I just kind of knew it was, it was for me. So yeah, I feel really fortunate that I, that I followed that desire. There it is. What was it about or or in that article that just, you know, where you felt that, yeah, I'm gonna go check this out. Well, you know what I, I never felt good about in psychology. You know, there was this notion that you were in charge like you were gonna I always thought like how ridiculous that I would be in charge of anybody that I would know how to fix anybody or like um, I used to have to uh, if I used to have to evaluate whether a student needed to go to the hospital to be evaluated by a, a mental health team as to whether or not they were suicidal or they were really at risk of taking their own life I, I felt that was a a huge burden. That just mm. felt really, um, and and I mean, literally, my boss would bring in a kid and say, "Fix him." They would literally say, say "Wow, that, that was like the intro." Here's a person, fix them. Fix them, yeah. And I just was like, "That is not like I don't know the first thing about fixing anybody." So when coaching came along, it wasn't about fixing. It was, um, it was oriented towards positivity. You know, it was about supporting and championing people, which I'm, I feel like I'm a natural championer. Um, so it just felt much more aligned with who I am. And, uh, yeah. And I also mm-hmm. love the freedom of the profession. It, uh, it's your own business. You work where you want, how you want, with whom you want. So um, that was also very appealing. Mm. I love the part too about the, the who you want. And I feel like for me, that's something that has been such a delight that I didn't know existed, where part of it is you get to choose. You get to choose who you work with and you get to choose who you don't work with. Mm-hmm. It's also really fun to like, if you see somebody that you really just love what they're up to or you love their spirit, that you can just authentically say, you know, I want to support you. I do this thing called coaching and I would just, I would love to coach you. You Are you interested? Do you want to like sample it? And, um, and it's, that's like so compelling. Um, and sometimes I do it. I'm not really looking for a client, but sometimes I just tell, I remember one time telling a waitress, <laughs> I just, I could see who she was, you know, we're kind of, trained to see people on a deep level and the way she did she conducted herself was just so excellent Wait, I, I have to ask you more about the story what was the situation and like what did you see I, I think it was after a course actually because I was in my coach mode you know I was really <laughs> steeped in it and uh, we were out and it was a really busy restaurant and I was just watching this person um yeah I just uh, I think working as a coach and training people to be coaches, I'm very much um, looking outside of myself a lot. I'm just looking at other people and paying attention to other people. And I really appreciate how 
I can see their effort and it moves me. And I mm. really love it when people are looking to be excellent. Um, and so this waitress was doing that. I could just see her putting in that effort and I just wanted her to know it mattered. And I said, you're amazing. Like, what are you up to? Like, this is, you're not staying here. Like, where are you going to? And, and I think it startles people when they're visible, right? You know? <clears throat> and I also know that um, at the right time, a word of encouragement can make all the difference to somebody. And that's, um, you know, that's my offering in the world. That's what I love to do. Beautiful. Yeah. So how did you, you know, how did you get started after the courses? And, you know, I'm wondering specifically what, what kind of challenges came up in those first few years as you were starting out, as you were growing your business? Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I was, I was lucky to have financial backing. Um, I, you know, my husband was working and I didn't have to, I didn't have to work. I mean, he was definitely interested in the success of my business, but I had, I had some backing. I was working out of home, so I didn't have any big overhead expenses. Um, and I think some of the challenges were confidence, definitely. Mm. Um, I was afraid somebody was going to see me as a fraud. <laughs> and, and I actually, <clears throat> excuse me, I actually manifested, I think I manifested like my worst nightmare, which was this guy um, he was a father of a kid that I was coaching. And he, at one point, he said, who the hell are you to do this? Like, what kind of background? And he just, like, he asked me these questions that I was, like, terrified of being asked. And I survived his interrogation. <laughs> and I, you know, and it kind of was like, okay, well, I lived through that. That was my worst nightmare. And um, so there was lack of confidence. Um, there was also kind of learning how to be an entrepreneur, like what's involved, what's, what do you need equipment-wise, and do you get insurance, do you not? How do you get clients? How do you market yourself? How do you get the word out? So all of those things. Um, and the way that I got over it, some of it was um, – if you, I noticed for myself, if I was really uptight about the money, um, that created a certain energy that was not conducive to getting hired, particularly. It wasn't. So I just started being really generous. I started to just really, I started to talk to everybody who was curious about coaching. People just want to know about coaching because there were people, other people who wanted to get, become coaches. So they'd want to have a conversation and I would, I um, or I gave a lot of free sample sessions. I went to, um, I started out uh, thinking that I might uh, have a niche uh, working with um, attention deficit disorder, um, adults with attention deficit disorder. And I did mm -hmm. do that for a while. So I would go to their monthly meetings and I'd give a little talk about coaching and yeah, just a lot of, a lot of freebies. So. I love to talk more about the confidence piece, how, you know, how did your belief in yourself and your skills and your abilities, how did that evolve over time? Mm -hmm. Well, I can't give enough um, credit to 
the leadership program offered by uh, the Coactive Institute. I mean, really, my journey as a coach is heavily colored by my involvement with CTI. Um, so I went through their leadership program, <clears throat> and um, they have four retreats. And I remember at the at the end of the second retreat, I remember saying to the group, I've never felt so invited out before. I, and it was a huge moment for me because I just felt like people wanted what I had to give. And I had never felt that in my life. And that, you know, like somebody was interested. A whole community of people there, you know, there's like 22 or four people. I don't know how many were at the time, but that was, that was enormous for me. And then, um, and then I, I was, after I completed the leadership program, I was selected to be a CTI leader. And that also grew me tremendously. Um, I started to feel what my impact was in teaching this material and not only the curriculum, but my particular style. So I started to learn, and I think we all need, we all need to have reflection back about who we are and how, what our impact is. It helps us to know ourselves. I think it's super hard to see yourself. Yeah, you, just, yeah. you just can't. You need other people for that. So, um, so my particular environment was the CTI environment. I love what you're saying about feeling like you were invited to come out more. Yeah. Um, was there uh, a part or parts of you that, that, you know, which parts were perhaps less invited before that now felt like they could step out in the light? Mm. Well, they have this thing in the, they have this thing in the leadership um, program. It's a typing system. <clears throat> I happen to love typing systems. Excuse me. <clears throat> and um, this was developed by Henry Kimsey House. He worked with actors. And he had this theory that um, if you kind of, if you presented yourself according to your type, uh, you came across as more authentic and more employable. And so he had seven types, and one of the types is eccentric. Um, mm. And that... And the way the typing system works is the whole room, you kind of do a few things, little scenarios where you act stuff out, and the group decides um, which of the types you are. So it's not just one person. It's like the group get, learns about the types, and then they, they decide you're this particular type. So I came across as eccentric. And um, eccentrics are sort of, they make people laugh, um, they're physical, they kind of have angular movements. Um, and uh, most of the types have what they, what we think of as a lid over them, because a lot of times we think who we are, for whatever reason, is not acceptable. So I really tried to have this very professional demeanor. I was like afraid people were going to see how weird I was. And, um, and it's true. And I didn't feel good when people laughed. I didn't like it. I was just thought that was an indication that I was too freaking weird. So, um, so I learned in leadership, like, oh, people, and I have like an unusual way of thinking um, that I also tried to hide. And 
you know, I really didn't like it when people looked at me blankly and were like, what are you talking about? You know, that didn't feel good. So I started to find out like, oh, no, it's interesting. I just have to keep going. You know, I have to like not back away when people say what, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I started to learn about what about my way of being was actually delightful for people and to trust that and to be more generous with who I was as opposed to trying to keep it under wraps in fear. You know, I kind of have, it's eccentric, but it's um, without getting too lost in the details of this typing system. So another word that goes with my type is beauty. So I'm an eccentric beauty, which means the beauty is about deep emotions. One of the things that beauty types bring is people connected, connect people to deep emotions. So I, I sometimes have this like very cosmic viewpoint of things that is full of emotion for me, which I get a little embarrassed about. Um, but what I've learned is it transports people. And there's something, um, when I kind of let myself go into it, it's palpable for people and it transports them. And, it, um, and people resonate with it. They like, they somehow, like I'm articulating something that people have felt but didn't have language for. Mm. Um, and I can't think of anything totally, maybe even, you know, when, that, when you were in that uh, workshop that we did together, I think I talked about my hands in the earth. And, yeah. um, and I didn't know, I was, for those of you who are listening, I was, I was trying to talk about something that I was longing to do, and I didn't have all the language for it, but I had a lot of um, physical urges. And so I kept, I kept working with my hands and talking about putting my hands in the earth and building things with people. And I remember at the end of that, it was a coaching demonstration that we were doing. I remember everybody being, like, stunned, <laughs> right? Yeah, it was like it was really people were kind of blown away and moved. And so that's I mean that and kind of like what the hell just happened there. Right. You were there. (laughs) You know better than I do. But it was a wild (laughs) moment, wasn't it? Yeah. So I think that's kind of I think that's eccentric beauty. Mm. And before I would never have shared that. I mean, I would just think that is way the hell too weird. Yeah. So I mean, I'm, I'm hearing this like really embracing your weirdness and being willing to not just accept, but be even more generous mm-hmm. about these parts that maybe you felt weren't as, as welcome before. Yeah. I mean, because don't we all have like worries about being acceptable? And I think what gets lopped off is our individuality then. You know, we get fearful. Like if we don't conform... Um, we get worried that, you know, we're not, we're going to be left, you know, on the hillside. <laughs> we're not going to be part of the pack. I mean, what I get really excited about is how do we let more diversity come through where, and where we have an environment not of fear and, you know, of control and domination, but of curiosity and delight like, wow, how do you, and that's coaching. Like, how do you see the world? Oh my God, that is so cool. I, you know, I love that. Let me see the world through your eyes. That's such a fun way to engage with people. You know, it's so rich 
Um, I never get tired of that. Really. That's really fun to like explore, like to really like invite somebody out to tell you like, what is it like in there? I think that that goes back to something you were saying earlier about how as coaches, we don't have the answers. I mean, how can we possibly have all the answers to someone else's life? Right. And instead it's, you know, putting on this lens of, I have no idea, but let's go explore there together. You know, it's almost like instead of, um, you know, I have this visual of instead of sitting across from someone, you pull up a chair next to them and you're going deeper into their own mind, heart, body, and you're exploring together as a team. Yeah. As a team. And you get to take the delightful ride with them. I remember this early on in my coaching career, talking to this woman whose dog had died and she was in grief about it. And um, instead of, you know, coming up with some stupid idea like, you know, oh, get another dog or, you know, oh, you could have a nice burial in the backyard or, you know, instead of some idea that I had, I said, well, how do you want to mourn? And because I think she was wrestling with that. And um, to my amazement, she came up with the idea of gathering the leftover dog hair that was on her floor, putting it in a gallon of paint and painting her kitchen. Wow. The dog hair in it. I never in a million years (laughs) come up with that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to picture the finished product of like the wall with like bits of the hair. Yeah. That that was like, she was really happy with that. and that it was like it moved her forward in her process honoring something that's really real for her yeah yeah man so i think this is a great segue because i would love to ask you about your magic anna greta and when you're with someone in this relationship what is it that really is your eccentric beauty that you are bringing Mm -hmm. to your clients I think what I delight in, and I think it is magical, is um, uh, I love to look deeply into the beauty of other people and to name it and articulate it and to appreciate it. And, um, yeah, and it, I think it communicates a lot of love which is what I, I mean, my orientation, what I see in people is love trying to be expressed sometimes in twisted ways, but I can feel people's effort. I can feel people trying to do well in the world in all sorts of ways. Usually we're like beating ourselves up intensely. Sometimes we're very discouraged or angry. Um, So it's about looking deeply and appreciating and giving language to things that maybe people don't have language for. So I use my intuition a lot. And I also um, experience, like I feel in my own body what might be going on. So I give it language. Sometimes I'm right. Sometimes I'm wrong. I don't care. I just, I offer it. And I train my clients to tell me if it's you know, on or off. It's just an offering so they can kind of tune into their own system and like tweak it, make it right. And I think I'm very passionate about people feeling connected with, understood, and um, 
I don't know, like not left behind. Mm. Yeah. That's really huge for me. Like just that they, that they're important, that they matter. I'm just having a moment. That was, yeah. And what's the impact that that, that love has on your clients? Hmm. I think it's just universal. I think we all want to know we matter. I think it's like a lot of, um, I think that's a lot of what's going on today. I mean, it's in a way, if you think about it, the coaching profession is sort of strange. Like maybe friends used to do this or family. I don't know. Maybe there's definitely skill in coaching. You know, we don't, we're not like family that goes like, why can't you do, you know, it's not like we're not berating people. But um, so maybe we're more, again, back to skillfulness. Maybe we're more about skillful love um, or love that's not attached to the outcome. But I think the impact is encouragement. It encourages people. um, It empowers people. um, It has people feel less alone. And I think that's huge these days. And for people that are listening, how might they incorporate more of that into their own practice? Don't be afraid to not know. I, I really, it's not about knowing. It's not about, um, sometimes people go into coaching. Well, a lot of times people go into coaching because like we're all about, in this culture, we're all about, you know, getting paid for knowing stuff and fixing stuff. And we don't know so much about being with and accompanying people. And so it's a really different muscle. And I think the more comfortable you can get with not knowing and being with somebody in a lot of intensity, that's, it's very cool. Because it actually gives you, you get, a, you get a free ride in a way as a coach. You get to like be with very intense things in a calm way. Like what if we don't freak out? I think you know I've been, I've been accompanying people who have um, terminal illness. That's been a, um, something that's kind of developed over time with me. And, I'm, and it's an interest for this very reason. Because the thing that we're most afraid of, many people are most afraid of, is death. So I kind of wanted to stretch myself even more by being with the thing that's, you know, you think, oh my God, death, it's the end. So I wanted to like, see, can I be with that and not like, can I stay present with that and not freak out and not um, feel like there's some emergency happening or, um, yeah. So I've been, I've been really practicing with that. What are you learning from those moments? Well, I just, I, my friend Phil Sandal just died. Um, he died about two weeks ago, and uh, he was the uh, co author of the Coactive Coaching book, actually. And he was in that leadership program with me, and just a dear, dear man. So I, um, so I sat with him a lot in the last two weeks of his life, and um, what I learned. I don't know if I can put it into words. What, so what happened was he wasn't afraid. He didn't have pain. And I could really, he was very, he had a strong faith. And so I really felt locked onto his spirit. 
And, um, but his body was going through all these changes, right? And um, it was really interesting to kind of, I felt stretched by witnessing the process. I don't know if I have language for this. So uh, it's sort of like what I felt was we are not our bodies. I mean, we are, there was great tenderness for his, for his body, for his failing body. But I felt stretched by the paradox of being both a body and a spirit. And um, I don't know, all I can say is I think there's something important about that for me to kind of feel that both are true. Um, and not to identify with either one or the other, but there's this really, um, there's this amazing paradox that we're both. So I think it produced, it, it, it produces less fear for me about dying. And I think that's an important thing because I think the less fear we have about it, the freer we can get. Feel it over here. <laughs> I was wondering what you were thinking. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's, it's amazing. I mean, what if we're not so afraid of dying? I remember when I was like 15, I was sitting on a flight and I was sitting next to an elderly woman and we ended up striking up a conversation and having a nice chat. And at the end of it, I said, um, her name was Beatrice. I said, Beatrice, do you have any life advice for a 15-year-old? <laughs> And she said, Leland, always remember that everything comes from one of two places, either love or fear. Mm. And it's up to you which one you want to live from. And I said, all right, what else? She said, that's it. That's all you need to remember. <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah, <laughs> that's very cool. Easier said than done, huh? Easier said than done. <laughs> just kind of feeling into where to go next because that's just that. Oh, that was beautiful. That was beautiful. Yeah, take your time. I love that about you. And I feel like we've gone from like the beginning of your journey to like what's happening now at sort of the end of people's lives. So from your perspective, you've seen the coaching industry evolve over the last, I mean, 20 some odd years. What do you think is next? You know, in the next decade, how do you think it's going to keep progressing and evolving? And, and what do you think is going to be really important for some of the coaches or people who want to be coaches who are listening now? Well, I think, I mean, I think coaching is one way of growing people. And we're all, I think, like, follow your bliss. You know, Joseph Campbell said that long ago. So if you're drawn to coaching and that's the way you want to support people right now, go for it. It's a beautiful offering. Um, I don't know how it's going to, in some ways, I think it's more needed than ever. It's a space for people to reflect upon themselves, what they're about. It's a place to um, get a sense of your own importance, that your life is meaningful, and that you can direct it. That's a really, that's a huge thing. A lot of people don't know that they can be creators in their lives. And that was like, that was what was so mind blowing for me when I started coaching. I was like, really, I can, you know, I don't have to just do everything that people told me. So, I mean, we're on this planet and we're in all different places, right, of growth. And so for some people, this is the, this is the next step. 
I think there's some kind of evolution going on in terms of um, when coaching started, it was very much about individuals and um, individual empowerment. And, you know, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get the house that's overlooking the lake or, you know, it was kind of that kind of thing, you know, and having all parts of my life really working. And, um, and I, there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's a beautiful thing. And I think there's also another thing that's happening on the planet right now is this need to think more uh, globally and to be not completely concerned with your, with your own self. Because um, a lot of people who can afford coaching, they have a lot of things in their life already. And um, there's a lot of people on the planet that, that don't. So there's something about, I don't know, there's some kind of evolution of maturation, maybe, that we're up to. And I think we're trying to figure out as a collective. So how do we, because in, in Buddhism, they talk about at the end, often they say, may all beings be free. And um, may all sentient beings be free. May all beings be happy. And I know for myself, when we experience our connection at the deepest level, it's like, I can't really be totally happy and fulfilled until we all are. So it gets less about, it gets less about the things that I want, you know, and I think this pandemic has really shown this too. It's like, how little we really need and how fortunate so many of us are. Um, so it, there's something about the, we get to another level of, we want to, we want to give more. That's been my evolution. So, but I don't, I don't want to say or undermine at all the part where we're still building our own lives. And there's, um, we have to have a certain amount in order to move to that. And both are important. Um, but I think the part that I'm interested in at this point is, you know, how do we go from this, like, yeah, we become fulfilled, then we help others be fulfilled, and then how can we move it to a greater community? I think that would be, um, I would love it if the coaching profession could somehow, you know, move in that direction. There's a saying that I was coming up, and I don't remember who to attribute it to, but we need to become more so that we can give more. Right. That there is sort of a focus on the self first, making sure that we're taking care of ourselves and that we're growing in order to be able to give, right? It's sort of right. like being able to fill up your cup and then you can give from an overflowing cup versus I think, I think many of us kind of fall into this trap of constantly giving at the expense and at the detriment of ourselves. And that's not a healthy balance. Right. right. Yeah. Absolutely. So some people are giving when they need to fill up. Some people are just thinking filling up is the whole point. Yeah. You no, know, and they never get to the giving part. So that's for each individual to sort out and and to honor their process. There is no there is no making anybody wrong in this. Yeah. It happens to be the place the place where I'm at. I also noticed that you have to be like I, for years I tried to be of service and kind of from a torturous place. And I kind of am learning as I go along, like you really have to be, you, you do have to take care of yourself and be like, it's important for me to be happy in order to like, 
show up in a genuinely good way for people. Mm -hmm. If I'm like in a hole about suffering so that I can give more, that's like, you know, because we feel it all in our connection. So, yeah. What's one way that you take care of yourself, that you let yourself be happy? Mm, I create beauty. I like to, I really, like I'm gardening a lot right now. I fuss around the house, I clean and organize and I decorate, I make things pretty and it really feeds me. I just love, <laughs> I love looking at beautiful things. And it doesn't have to, again, it doesn't have to be a big thing. It could be like some flowers from the garden, you know, just, but that really feeds me. Um, I cook, yeah, I pet my cat. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, sometimes it's the simple things isn't it it makes me happy yeah yeah that resonates on a on a more personal note for you what are you thinking about these days and what's next for you in this larger picture i just i've been um i've just been in conversation with um somebody who's starting a company called grief warrior she started the company after she lost her husband uh, and found that the company she worked for, they didn't have much of a bereavement policy. Her husband died on Sunday, and she was expected back at work on Thursday. What? Right. Right. And also, people didn't really know how to be with her grief. She said, you know, we're, like, not good at it. And particularly, I think she was in her 40s. I think, you know, in the 40s, it's very unusual you know, yeah. so peers really didn't know what the heck. As you, as you get on older, I, unfortunately, you get a little better at it. So she's actually started this company and looking to educate corporate, you know, managers and to help change policy. And um, so I'm, I'm curious about that. Um, and I'm kind of exploring that. I'm always kind of on the lookout, too, for like, what is it that is facilitating transformation? That investigation brought me to California Institute of Integral Studies a couple years ago, and I took the Psychedelic Assisted Research and Therapies Certificate Program. We could uh, probably do a whole episode on that. I know, I know. So, you know, if that, um, if and when that becomes legal, right now they're doing lots of studies with um, MDMA and post-traumatic stress disorder, you know, that could be something that I... um, you know, look into or support in some way. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm open. I really like to be, I like to work with people as a team to basically nourish or inspire people. That's kind of like the bottom line for me. Nice. Okay. Are you ready for some rapid fire questions? Sure. All right. Let's kick this off. Who's a coach that you admire and why? Um, I really admire, I admired Phil Sandal because that guy was, he was like us, he could see into people's souls and he connected so powerfully to the point of like kind of psychic intuition, you know, he would just, so yeah. If you could magically acquire one artistic skill, what would it be? One artistic skill. You know, I thought about these questions and now I've forgotten. Um, Oh, I know. I would love to be able to do that, you know, that 
stuff where they aerial wrapping, where they do that aerial dancing, you know, where they oh, yeah. in silk. I just think that's so beautiful. <laughs> I just, and I love the control of the body. I just think that's awesome. <laughs> you know, I actually tried a class once and it, just, it was way harder than I thought. And yeah. I just gained so much more respect and admiration. You have to be so strong to do that. Oh boy. Yeah. yeah. Yep. That would be awesome. Awesome. Uh, what's one tip you have for creating or enrolling clients? Um, connect. Connect. Like extend yourself. What I mean by that is um, take a risk for the sake of connection. Tell people what you see about them that you love with, with just with generosity, not like, oh, I hope I get this client, you know. <laughs> you might hope that, but um, yeah, extend yourself. Um, knowing that, you know, you might be turned away or be misinterpreted. But I think that's, that's for me, what generosity looks like when it comes to other people. Uh, what is your favorite coaching exercise or activity? Who are you becoming is a great coaching question. Love that. Wow. Yeah, it's a good one. Okay, fun question. If you were a dessert, what kind would you be and why? A hot fudge sundae. <laughs> How come? How come? Because it's decadent and it's, and it's just over the top and like, you know, abundant and just like, you know, it's just so indulgent. It's <laughs> <laughs> <That's> awesome. <laughs> What's one resource that you'd recommend for newer coaches out there? I keep thinking like, um, you know, follow your interests. I don't really have anything in particular that I, I really don't recommend anything in particular. I think it's important that you follow your own curiosity and that that probably, you know, take whatever training course you choose, get your, you know, get your learning in and then follow what's interesting to you. Uh, if there's one piece of advice that you can impart on the audience, what would it be? Um, learn how to connect. What is it to authentically connect with another person? Um, check in with yourself. What is it that gets in the way for you of connection? Um, so that's, and I, so that's one thing. So I think it's important for coaches to monitor connection. I realize that's like a, above everything else. That's what I'm doing. And then I'm applying tools on top of it. And the other thing is develop your compassion for yourself and for other people. Like really learn how to look through loving eyes. I think that's a really, um, and you have to have loving eyes for yourself because otherwise you don't bring it to other people. Um, so yeah, develop your compassion. I actually want to ask you a bit more on the first one about monitoring connection. I mean, yeah. is there a pointer or something you could help us with? You know, how can someone start to build that muscle a bit more? Right. I've learned over time. So I remember like, um, I got, I got married in 1992. Right. And you, you know, when you get married, you, you feel like you have intimacy with somebody. So then I went to leadership in 1998 and I learned about a whole another level of intimacy which I didn't have with my husband, which was shocking. <laughs> it was shocking. Um, and, all, and I didn't actually know how to bring it home to him. 
So I bring that up only because I think it's a there's a process of we learn what connection feels like by and we learn it from others who maybe have traveled more further down the road than we have. So um, in coaching, um, if I don't feel connected, I'm I'm holding a screen up. I think of it as a screen, like when I'm coaching somebody, I'm I'm. I'm noticing whether or not I feel connected to them. If I don't, I say something. Um, not like, hey, be more connected to me. I don't say something like that. But I might say, what are you thinking right now? Or where are you? And so I actually really know. Or if something is holding, let's say, for instance, I have to go to the bathroom. And actually, I'm distracted. So that's interfering with connection. You know, that's an example of where something's going on with me. I say, hey, can we wait a minute? You know, pause a minute. I'll be right back. I'm monitoring how connected I feel with this person. And I'm asking for things or taking care of myself as needed. Or I'll say things like, I notice I feel sad while you're saying that. And I'll report out about what's happening in me as they speak. And sometimes they'll be like, you know, okay, I don't know what that's about, but sorry, you're feeling sad. And sometimes it'll bring into awareness something that's going on for themselves. Mm -hmm. So I think I'm also trying to um, drop down um, because sometimes people come to the coaching session and they're so full of something that's going on on, you know, like a, it's like a top level of busyness. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know there's the boss and there's the dog and there's this and there's that and it's like it's all this distraction and one of the things we're trying to do in coaching is to drop down below that and like what are you what are you experiencing right now in your life as you hear yourself say all this what do you notice so we're trying to connect the mind and the body and the heart, we're trying to line them up and see like, what are you up to? What's going on? Are you, you know, a lot of times we're just running around like chickens with our heads cut off. So maybe there's a connection to do within each of us first. And I I think as a coach, one of the things that people are paying us for is our presence. So I'm not going to come to the call all distracted and wild. And, you know, my job is to be like when that phone rings or when I'm seeing somebody, I'm really like, boom, I'm there. And so then the person who comes to me, who maybe is distracted, they can start to gather themselves and we can meet. Because I'm actually holding that energy and we influence one another. And so that person can realize like, whoa, I need, I'm like, I'm not here. Yeah, you do that, Leland. I mean, you're very present. Except when the dog comes running out yeah, and stepping in my face. Yeah, we all have our things. But you, you, you bring that to your coaching. I've seen it. Thanks. So last question here to wrap up is just, uh, you know, where can people find you if they want to learn more about you, Anna Greta? Um, I think it's best. I have like, two things. You can email me at permade21 at gmail.com. That's P-U-R-M-A-I-D. P-U-R-R, like a cat. Two R's. And then made, M-A-I-D, 21 at gmail.com. The origin of that is there's mermaid, and I love cats, so I became permaid. 
And I, and I always like the number 21. That's all that that means. Oh, man. I am getting this visual of a half, you know, Frankenstein cat face on like a mermaid tail sitting at a casino playing blackjack. <laughs> no, it has nothing to do with blackjack. Okay. Um, that's so funny. Yeah, I didn't think a lot when I made that name. But anyway, that's the name. And um, I also have a blog um, called uh, holywanderer.com. Um, yeah. So it's uh, in coaching, we have a life purpose. And my life purpose is I am the holy wanderer that travels the perimeter of what is known, looking for the next way through. So holywanderer.com blog. And I'm just, I just write, I haven't written in it for a while, but I write just about whatever's on my mind. But they're my mental holy wanderings. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great. Yeah, thanks for asking. Well, this has been such a treat, such a pleasure. Thank you so much for being a part of this. Yeah, this is this has been awesome. <laughs> it's been delightful for me, and uh, I feel like you're a uh, a soul brother. Soul brother, thank you, thank you. You're welcome, sweetheart. <laughs>